Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could never edit that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I'm all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we chat to authors about their writing, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny V. Today, I welcome Siobhan Plaza, award-winning children's and YA writer. Her debut novel, Frankie, was a CBCA notable book, shortlisted for the Inky Awards, highly commended as the Victorian Premier's Literary Awards, and won the YA category of the David Awards. Other novels include Tin Heart and other short stories for anthologies. Today, we talk about The Boy, The Wolf and The Stars, a beautiful mythical adventure story. Welcome, Siobhan. That sounds all very impressive. I like to start because I'm not sure if people have read this book or they're about to read this book and I like people to jump in on the podcast at any stage of reading they're in. So can you give us a bit of an elevator pitch as to what this book is about? Um, so it is a story of a boy and his pet fox on a journey to return the stars to the sky after a magical wolf ate them. And that is just such a beautiful, it's just such a mythical and beautiful description, but it's really unique and original. And I want to know how you came up with that kind of elevator pitch or the idea for this story, because it's, it's a bit of an unusual one. Yeah, um, it started about sort of 20 years ago, actually, as a short story. Um, and it was inspired by my love of um, Scandinavian folklore and the stars bit didn't come into it until probably about sort of 10 years later when I began to think about whether or not it could be a, a novel because within the sort of intervening 10 years since I first wrote the short story, I hadn't stopped being able to think about the characters that I'd come up with in the world. There was just something there that I thought there was more I could expand on. But um, and I started to connect it with the sort of the, the idea from um, Norse mythology with um, the beginning of Ragnarok when the, 
the wolves leap into the sky and eat the stars, the moon and the sun. And I was sort of thinking, I wonder what a world like that, what, what would it be like? Because as a kid, I was terrified of the dark and I couldn't think of anything worse than at night to not even have any source of light. If you took the stars and the moon out of the sky, well, then it's pitch black. And to me, that was utterly terrifying. Um, and so I sort of combined the short story, the things that I come up with for that, with that idea of what a world would be like without stars. And it sort of just took off from there, really. I love that. I love how you've written something that's terrifying to you. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really cool. Yes. And I wanted to ask you actually, because, you know, it's a, it's a book for young people. And I was mm. wondering, how do you balance those sort of elements that are fearful and things that you're afraid of yourself when you balance that with the audience? Yeah. And I think that that was, it comes down to what my focus was. And, and I, I did want to write about fear because fear is something that's been a big part of my life because I have a, a rather severe anxiety disorder. And so fear is sort of, and anxiety has sort of dictated a lot of my life. And I was sort of, I wanted to, to look at that head on and sort of explore everything around that, but in a way that was very much about overcoming that and, and moving beyond that and finding ways to, to live your life around that and beyond that. So um, my focus was not on the fear itself, but on the idea of, of overcoming it and, and what you can do to overcome it. So I think that that's what makes it um, better for that age group, for that audience, because it's not, there's never, there's, there's always hope close by. There's always a sense that things are going to, to get better as, as Bo, the main character, moves through the story. And even though some stuff that happens is a little bit scary, at the same time, he's gathering friends and this sort of new family unit around him that creates a sense of safety and he's growing in, in his sort of his agency and his sense of self the whole time so it it doesn't focus on the, the negativities around around fear but it focuses on on how you can move beyond it mm, i love that idea and with your anxiety did you find writing about these things that you fear did you find that helped your anxiety in life I mean, I'm at a, a point, I suppose, where I've lived long enough that I've got a, a fair bit of sort of I've got tools in my back pocket for, for how to deal with it. So I suppose, I suppose it was more about focusing on, on that side and, and not necessarily drilling too deeply into the, um, the, the negativity of it. But, um, you know, the, the things that I do, the things that help me um, overcome it. So um, I don't know that it, the writing, I mean, maybe because I've said this about everything that I've, that I've written. There's usually something that I'm trying to come to understand. So Tin Heart, for example, um, the previous book was um, very much about my brother going through um, organ transplant and me sort of having questions around that and, and having discussions with him around that. And the, the only way that I know how to understand things and come to terms with things is to write about them. So, so that's why I, you know, wrote 80,000 80, words <laughs> about that experience. So probably, yeah, it probably is about me coming to, 
to understand those aspects, I suppose, of my life um, mm. through fiction, which is I, sort of how I cope with things. <laughs> yeah, and I find it very fascinating, especially when you talk about anxiety and how art can either console you or comfort you or just help channel those yeah. strange feelings that you have into something more positive or the creation of something. Like, I find that yeah. very fascinating and I do that myself um, <laughs> with the podcast, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, I find it very interesting um, to see how different people's brains work. So I think even though as you grow older with anxiety and you do have those tools, like you said, in your back mm. pocket, I don't think it gets easier. I think you know what's coming and you expect it and you know, you know how to ride through it, but I don't know if it gets any easier. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. And you, you've always got that whole thing of, it took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that it wasn't going to go away, mm. that it's permanent, it's part of who I am, and that was a difficult thing to, to accept. Um, but once you do, I think it becomes easier to, as you say, you know, recognise things coming on and, and try and head them off and, and you know, enact your plan and, and that sort of thing. So it's it's about acceptance rather than it, things getting easier, mm. if that makes sense. No, I couldn't but, agree more. And I think you've hit the nail on the head because I think a lot of fiction in the past sort of talked about mental illness and, you know, overcoming it and having a cure for it, which is yeah, great yeah. if that can work for you, but often it doesn't and it often sits mm. beside you and you have to come to terms with it. And you're right, it's such a difficult thing to come to terms with. It's not something that can be easily fixed with anything, I think. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing with the with the, the story and with Bo's experience as well is that, you know, even though it's it's a little great and it has a, a pretty happy ending in, in a lot of ways, sorry for spoilers, but um, I don't think it's ever really a spoiler to suggest. No, I have a satisfying ending. Happy. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> um, but there's no sort of suggestion that things are magically okay, mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it's it's more about the fact that he has gathered those friends around him and he is stronger in in lots of different ways, but the world is still a difficult place in a lot of ways and other people are still capable of being horrible and like none of that magically disappears. It's just that he's more aware and he's a little bit stronger and he's, he's gathered good people around him to help him navigate that world. And that's what I really liked about the novel too, about the gathering of friendship. And I like the word gathering, you know, and you're gathering those tools and you're gathering resilience and you're gathering friendship to help you with those things or help you manage those things. Cause you're right. You know, those things don't go away. They're there. But if you have the tools and the people around you and friendship and resilience, it probably makes it a little bit easier or possible to get to the other side. Yeah. Now, I'm really interested in the folk stories you were talking about. Can you tell me what it was about them that really resonated with you? Because I'm sure many listeners haven't looked into those sort of folk tales before. Um, as, a, as a kid, my favourite um, books were the Moomin books mm-hmm. um, by Tui Yatsen. Um, my best friend, her dad, was a librarian and they were obviously cleaning out the, the books from the libraries they often have to do and he had two full sets of the Moomin books and he gifted one to me and to his daughter and, and we were just obsessed with them and and those stories are very much built around um, a, she was she was finished to so sort of built around particularly about the the folklore from that particular area and I think I was just drawn to 
to that side of things because of my childhood obsession with those books. Um, so, so I don't, I don't know what it is. I think it's, it's something to do with the landscape. I know that's something that particularly draws me to it because I'm really fascinated. This is a weird sentence. I'm really fascinated by trees. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something that always has drawn me to sort of like cold, haunted looking forests. Like there's just something deeply enchanting about that. Um, and you know, a lot of the Scandinavian folklore is sort of, you know, there's a lot of trees and forests and stuff involved. And, and the, one of the, the creatures that first um, really drew me in um, and what I based the short story around is a creature that sort of, from the front, they look human, but turn around and their back is actually like hollowed out tree bark. Um, and that image I just found so fascinating. And so I sort of built a story around that and... And even though that creature doesn't appear in um, in the novel, um, that was definitely the starting point. I love that idea of being inspired by an image and that mm. shapes or helps shape some of the story and the image that, you know, you just described. It does sound fascinating. And I think, you know, I don't think it's weird to be fascinated with forests because I think you know, <laughs> growing up you read a lot of stories and in the forest there are secrets and hidden things yep. and things that we can explore and discover. So I think you're absolutely right. It is very, it is fascinating to, to look at those kind of landscapes and see what you might find inside it, particularly in fiction. Yeah. I love the excerpt at the beginning, the true histories of all of the origin of the dark. Now, where did this come from and how did it help inspire or shape the story? Um, well, those excerpts came about reasonably late in the writing process. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a, a combination of, um, I can't remember if it was my agent or my editor that said, I want you to write out some of this history so that we can work out how to, how to edit the, the story and stuff. Because some of it was this is my first time writing fantasy and I think I was very conscious of putting too much, you know, Wikipedia style entries of you know, world building on the page. I didn't mm. want it to be really explicit and that obvious kind of world building, which I don't like when I read. Um, and, but that meant that so much of the world was kind of still stuck in my head and it was a bit vague because I think that, when you think something's clear in your head, but it's not to actually write it down, that things become a lot more, a lot more clearer. Yeah. Um, and um, so I, you know, I, I sat down and actually wrote all this stuff out and then all this extra stuff just sort of pouring out. And, and then, and this voice sort of came as well that, that wasn't the narrative voice um, from the story. It was totally different. It was someone else's voice. And then that character of the scribe who writes those stories came about. And it was just that sort of unfolding of ideas and sort of getting this, the vague world-building ideas um, in my head on the page. And then I realised actually it was a quite a good tool and a fun way um, to extend the world in, in the book, um, but also kind of a, a fun way to add tension and stuff as well because um, this describes sort of you know teases the audience with information about things that 
have just happened and also might be about to happen and stuff. And, and that was quite fun. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's interesting, though, that it came later in the story because it was probably, like you said, in your head in a vague yeah. sense. <laughs> it I came thought out. I did have it on the page. but it's okay. <laughs> oh, I really like to ask this question um, from authors because it's not a question you often get asked, but I want to ask you, Siobhan, why do you write? <laughs> um, so I was always you know, really interested in, in reading and film and television and stories. And one of the things that I would do as a kid was that if I came across something that I loved, you know, like I was really into Star Wars as a kid and stuff, I would go out and I would extend the world and the stories with my friends. We'd sort of run around outside. We were, you know, Ewoks <laughs> playing, you know, <laughs> shooting up the, the forest and whatnot. Um, and, you know, and as I said, with the, the Moomin books that we're obsessed with, like, you know, we had plenty of um, sort of playing and pretending we were part of that world and extending the storylines that way. Um, and when I was 14, I read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. And I loved that story and the world so much that, of course, I wanted to extend the stories. But that was the first time I actually put pen to paper and... and I guess started writing what you would call fan fiction, even though I'm too old <laughs> for it to legitimately be fan fiction. I think fan fiction existed back then. Um, and I certainly didn't post them online because I don't think there was online. Um, but that's essentially what I was doing. And I just, I remember a moment of just extreme clarity, which and I don't have a very good memory. I don't remember lots of things, but I remember this moment very specifically of just really consciously thinking, this is it. I can't imagine anything better than being someone who creates worlds and characters and stories that people fall in love with. That this is the the greatest feeling in the world, surely, because I know how I feel when I come across a story that I become obsessed with, that I love, and to give that to someone else, I just think that's the most amazing thing ever. And I, I didn't stop writing. I didn't stop wanting to do that from that point onwards. And that was... Uh, and that still is my motivation. I, I want people to fall in love with stories and worlds and have that escapism and, and have that joy. Like, I think that's, that's an amazing thing to be able to do. Mm, I couldn't agree more. And books, they are, they're comforting as well as all the other things we get out of them. We might learn, we might be entertained, but they are real comforts to us, I think. And, you know, there's there's been studies that after reading for a particular amount of hours, it is like a meditative state and you do reduce your stress, etc. So it's okay. important, especially for those of us who do suffer from anxiety. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it is important well thank you so much for your time Siobhan I loved this book I know I particularly loved the worlds so when you said you loved creating worlds I thought well you've absolutely yeah. nailed that because yeah. it's an adventure story but it's this beautiful original unique world but it's a story with heart as well and you know it's just a beautiful read so thank you so much and it was a, a pleasure to chat about it I love chatting to people after I've just put their book down <laughs> I think it makes it extra extra special because you get those extra little bits and pieces of meaning or you know how it was written or the thought processes that went into it so thank you so much thank you for having me I appreciate it